Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we are talking with Matt Campbell, who is an athletic trainer in the Fort Wayne, Indiana area, and the guy that started OPS Concussion Clinic. And in this episode, we talk about everything Matt has done with this clinic that has just kind of gotten started up within the last year, but the comprehensive nature of the clinic from evaluation to care to different treatment and how as an athletic trainer single credentialed um not beyond that matt has been able to do all of that and has begun the process of starting to think about how to expand it and move on so we talk about some of the more cutting edge things in concussion treatment care and evaluation plus also just how it ends up working out doing that as an athletic trainer and how that fits into the bigger picture of a clinic or utilizing these different skills and evaluation techniques anywhere that you are working as an athletic trainer. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Highly recommend checking them out. Again, anything they can do to help advance the profession of athletic training or the products they offer to help athletic trainers, they're always open to listening to. So we highly recommend connecting with them if you've got an idea or anything that you think would be worth adjusting on their current setup when it comes to their offerings. But with that, welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Matt Campbell of OPS Concussion Clinic. Um, I'll let you fill in some more of the things that you do, as you just mentioned, (laughs) working full in the clinic and then also in the high school. Um, You know, as we've been reaching out for people to tell their stories, uh, we connected up with Matt through uh, the OPS Clinic Twitter handle, and we are going to talk concussion. Um, And mainly, I think we're going to focus on the rehab portion of it, which has continued to evolve and grow. And I think that's awesome, as we've just seen. This goes way back, I'm sure, to the sit in a dark room to now where things (laughs) uh, progress. So. Uh, we're going to get into all a bunch of different things with that, what the clinic does and where that kind of fits in the long run. But before we do, Matt, just wanted to turn it over to get, have you provide your background and how you got to a, you know, right here today talking all right. about podcast. Well, great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, you know, I am a clinical director for the OPS concussion clinic. Um, but fortunate enough that over my career, I've worked in multiple different settings uh, started out, got my undergrad degree from Indiana University. Uh, was fortunate enough to work with, you know, every sport under the sun at a Big Ten university. Um, I decided to head into the job world instead of going into the master's uh, route back in, you know, the whole grandfathered in behind the uh, the master's requirement, which yep. is nice. Um, so right out of college, I was able to work Division three football and lacrosse. Um, was great for the football season. Um, it's, you know, full 20 hour days all year round because neither sport is at the same time and at the division three level, you're, uh, you're fighting over facilities. So football meetings started at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and then treatments after that. And then lacrosse practice kind of finished up at nine o'clock, went nine to one at night. So, you know, sleeping in the office for a while was a little rough. So I get it. We weren't as, as, uh, as staffed as we were. Um, we were a little bit, a little bit lower on the totem pole for our medical staff there. So after, after a year of that, I decided that I was going to try my hand at something different. Um, I ended up in the NBA development league as a, with the last independent franchise in league history. 
So everybody else went the one-to-one NBA affiliate. We had the remaining 14 teams that were our affiliate for the year, which means for us at the time, it was six people full-time to run a front office and coaching staff, medical staff. So it turned, you know, it boiled into, I was the head athletic trainer, director of uh, sports medicine, strength and conditioning coach, transportation, um, travel coordinator. Yep. I remember uh, seeing those posts. Equipment manager, psychologist, you know, everything. Right. Uh, it was, it was amazing. I did that for three years. You know, I was, I was able to see the independent side of things. And then uh, luckily after my, my first year, the Pacers came in and bought us. Uh, coincidence. Um, I yep. stole a classroom from one of our schools. That's, that just happens to be a happy coincidence. Um, so after that, you know, I spent three years doing that. I decided that, you know, wife wanted me to be home instead of traveling to a different city every three days. Yep. So I transitioned into a 2,500 student high school here in Indiana. Um, it's been great for the last three years. The more time you spend in a high school setting, the more you realize that uh, with concussions, there's a whole lot that needs to be changed in the way concussions are managed from an inside and outside standpoint. So that's kind of where the, uh, the OPS concussion clinic started. Um, was an idea over the last you know, about a three-year period trying to figure out one how to logistically make it work two how to legally make it work and then three trying to working in a big hospital system trying to get a doc that gets on board and you got the legal systems of the big hospital system that's in town and then right. the hospital system that's in Tennessee and so you know it, it took a while and luckily we were uh, we were approached by an independent physician here in town that said hey you know I want to run a clinic. I see a need for it. I just don't know what I'm, what we're doing on the, the logistics side of things. So uh, that's kind of how the partnership was born. I stepped in and met with him and said, Hey, here's my idea. This is what I think. And he went great. Whatever you need to do, whatever you need us to do, it's yours and I'll help. So it's been, yeah, it's couldn't have asked for a better situation with, with where we're at with that. You know, you've got a you've got one physician that we see. His medical group has five physicians in it. So for whatever reason, we need to see uh, somebody else for that group. They're all, you know, they're all in in tune. Um, where we're located, there are two big hospital systems that kind of compete with each other. Um, so being an independent, you know, we accept both sides' insurance. You know, no problems there easy access for both sides, which makes it nice. Uh, you know, how politics can go, it can be a little bit of an issue there. So yeah. uh, it, that's that's a great thing, a great aspect of it. So it makes it really nice there. Uh, but that's just a, a small roundabout way of how this, how this started. Um, always had a passion for concussions. Um, you know, you, you look back, I got one in high school and that was before they knew what it was. Right looking back into it and what I know now and, and you know, I, I, I played through it and shouldn't have. And I had two pupils that were different sizes for about a month and a half. And, you know, looking back, you realize how stupid that was. Um, so my job now is to try to one, try to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, try to educate our, our athletic trainers, try to educate area physicians, um, chiropractors, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, physical therapists, you know, trying to go out and educate them on the changes mm-hmm. uh, to what concussions are in concussion research. And then uh, trying to, you know, make sure that we're able to help our patients and our athletes get better. 
So after all that background, just to kind of kick off as we get into more of this, what offerings does the OPS concussion clinic have? Like just, I know we've talked about, you know, the rehab principles we'll get to, you know, some of the vestibular stuff, but just what does it all entail? So it's, uh, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of a multi-approach, right? So we've got the, uh, we've got the education side of things uh, that I've touched based on a little bit. Um, we, we've hosted two, one seminar now uh, that's been a formal seminar where we talk about our concussion clinic and what the changes in concussion research has been. Um, we, we offer initial post-injury um, evaluation, treatment, management. Um, so the way it works is, you know, we get a high school kid, a middle school kid, a youth football athlete. We've got two um, professional sports teams here in town. We've got three professional sports teams here in town that we've seen. We've got four universities within the 45-minute uh, drive that we've seen kids from. Uh, we've got uh, workers' comp and um, you know, just kind of everybody, my youngest patient, you know, I tell people my youngest patient is 10, my oldest patient is 67. Okay. So I see everybody from your, your general, I slid and fell on ice to, uh, got a concussion playing football. Um, the, the, the two approaches that we have right now, and as far as treatment goes, we have the initial evaluation approach where we see somebody usually within the first 24 to 48 hours, depending on scheduling. Um, we, we do a quick, inter we do a quick evaluation that, in, in, you know, we can go into that as we, as we get there. Do you want to mm -hmm. touch on that now on what we do? Um, if you want to walk, just keep walking right through it. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Okay. So for our initial evaluation, we bring everybody in, we do your basic SCAT five test. Um, we, we run them through and make sure just quick, they've got a, a basic cognitive function and understanding. We look to make sure that they're able to process information and process and follow directions. Um, we do, we, we kind of move quickly through that into um, a couple of different balance tests. We do a modified version of the SAC BESS. We also use a, uh, a modified version of the CTSIB test, um, the clinical test and sensory imbalance test. It's basically a shortened version of your uh, SAC BESS testing. Okay. Uh, the, the only thing that we do to make it the modified version of that is uh, the, the standard version calls for me putting a Chinese lantern looking device around your head. Uh, and I just don't do that because trying to convince somebody that I'm going to put a paper bag around your head and, and, and shake your head back and forth is not something that acute concussion patients want to do. Shockingly, I know. I, I can uh, understand that. No, yeah, I, yeah. So, so we do a modified version of that. Why uh, and then we progress, which is the majority of what we do is we spend time looking at the VOMS assessment. So we go through the entire VOMS assessment from top to bottom. Uh, each test, we're making notes, we're making, um, you know, we're, we're making guidelines, we're making treatment plan and protocols while we're going through it um, to come up with a treatment plan while we're in-house. Okay. Once we have that treatment plan, I kind of go through and, you know, compile a list of the impairments. Uh, we start to look at, you know, what's affecting the athlete, what's affecting the, uh, the patient, what's not. Uh, then we, we have our physician come in, Dr. Tom Lazoff. He comes in, steps in. He does this quick neural evaluation. And they, the running joke that I tell all our patients is as long as he and I are on the same page. We've seen about 100 patients since September. We've been on the same page 100 times. 
But as long as he and I are still on the same page, we branch into the second part of the visit, which is, um, is a therapy visit. Okay. So essentially, you're, you're going through a full evaluation and a therapy evaluation and visit treatment um, it, on day one, which is something that doesn't happen around here for us. A lot of times the concussion evaluation for what we saw before we started was, hey, let's put you through a scat five. Yeah, didn't go well. We'll see in two weeks. Or let's go back to your athletic trainer and they'll, they'll handle it from there. Right. So do, to be able to offer a vestibular therapy visit right away, you know, we get those patients that come in, you know, neck pains a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, they can't move. And as long as, you know, there's no contraindications for what we're doing, we'll handle manual therapy in the clinic. Uh, we'll give them home exercise programs to take away from day one. Um, and we'll kind of go from there. So the second aspect of the clinic we have is a full vestibular therapy clinic. Okay. So we, uh, I've been lucky enough that the doc has trusted me to implement vestibular therapy for patients. Um, right now we're seeing the vestibular therapy is done more towards the uh, adult population, the workers comp cases to where the alternative was, Hey, you have a head injury. Don't work until you feel better. Right. Or, you know, we'll wait to see if we can get you in with a neurologist and there's one neurology group here in town and the, the wait is, you know, six weeks. Right. It's, uh, they're, they're one of the best in the Midwest and they're, they're busy like they are. Um, so we, instead of, Hey, let's throw some medication at you and see if that helps. And then, you know, we'll see in a couple of days. Um, we've gotten full one-on-one -on -one vestibular therapy, vestibular manual therapy that we can do. Um, about an hour, two to three times a week, depending on the severity of the case. Right now, docs prescribing anywhere from eight to 10 visits um, to see if we can make any headway. And then, you know, if we need more, we can change that as well. Uh, so that's just the, the two approaches that we've got so far. Um, you know, always looking to grow, always looking to develop, looking into uh, the partnerships with our professional teams and our college teams, looking at telemedicine, you know, you're on the road, let's do an evaluation over Skype or a Zoom conference call. Yeah. Um, let's look at how we can help you and make it the most convenient way possible, um, which is, is great having the, uh, the physician that we do. Dr. Lazoff is, is he, he's all on board. You know, it's, you think this is the way to do it. Let's look at the legal ramifications, make sure everything fits into the scope of practice. Let's make sure everything's covered by liability. But at the same time, if it's to help our patients, let's do it. So it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Um, personal question, basically on like, uh, the vestibular rehab part, um, mm -hmm. that was a, you know, just where does a the, on the assessment and B just on the rehab, you know, where does athletic training, uh, fit in? We've never been told like we can't do it here, but we've also never really fully investigated like somebody sending somebody through the training or doing that stuff where I know PTs that we work with have gone through significant training, yeah. which is fantastic. And we, we yeah. really appreciate them doing it. But again, for our setting, which is the university one, potentially beyond to, you know, high school with whatnot, did you go through a specific training, you know, if you want to say who that is, well, obviously, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I will. it's something, you know, we've talked about investigating and I think would be huge and just 
look, if you've got the physician that's willing and, you know, yeah. let, let us do it. Right. So the, the formal training, so over the last three years, everything that I've done with continuing education has been geared towards, okay, how can I apply this to the concussion clinic as we move forward? Sure. So it's been manual therapy techniques and classes that I've gone to have been geared more towards upper cervical um, issues, whether it be cervicalgia, uh, vestibular issues, vertigo, BPPV. Um, one of the main trainings that I went through was the visual and functional integration, vis visual and vestibular functional integration training through a company called 360 Neuro. Okay. Um, they, they go everything top to bottom from, hey, let's look at our initial assessment of the bombs. Let's look at some basic impairments that we'll see. They do non-fixed gaze and fixed gaze and nystagmus and, and eye testing. And then basically they'll go each individual impairment one by one. Hey, let's throw out some things you can do from the Dix Hall Pike test and the, and the Apley's maneuver to uh, head thrust and your basic principles of rehabilitation in the athletic training world. Um, so that's, there are a couple other small ones uh, that have been just geared more towards uh, understanding the, the physiology behind concussions, understanding the, you know, the, the different tiers of concussions, the different types of concussions moving forward. Um, I've also done the impact trained athletic trainer through mm -hmm. uh, impact online. Um, I don't know how much I've used it at this point um, since we haven't done, you know, it, the way it always seems to work out is you go through something with the hospital system and, you know, I did the, the ITAT training and all of that. And, you know, about a month later, we decided that we were moving away from the impact test. Of course. So, right, right. So it, it helps in the facts that the universities that are around us still use it. So yep. when they send one of our patients in, um, I'm able to look at their, their impact test. I'm able to decipher the result more than just a, hey, this is a pass, this is a fail. For sure. Especially when it comes to the baseline test, we see some of the, uh, some of the cognitive impairments that are already in place that we know of that, hey, let's stop trying to chase that cognitive impairment and let's look at, okay, he had this beforehand. You know, why, why waste our time when she's miserable on this? You know, don't, don't chase something you're not going to be able to fix. Right. No, so those, those are the main ones. Um, now, I'm mo like most athletic trainers, I'm a sucker for knowledge. Um, so in the, in, the, in the world of technology and social media, there is so much information out there. Uh, there's a group out of Ontario or uh, Toronto um, called Complete Concussion. If you haven't looked them up and you need anything you need to know about concussions, whether it's uh, evaluation, physiology, pathophysiology, the anatomy of the brain, um, vestibular impairments, BPPV, uh, vestibular therapies, they produce the most free information out there. Um, I, can, uh, I can honestly say that when we started to put this together, they were a huge um, kind of outline for what we wanted to do. Um, Toronto seems to be one of the hotbeds for concussion information and concussion uh, treatment coming out. Uh, you look at the, uh, the Zurich census statement, and most of, if not all of the information runs through somehow direct or indirect runs through Canada, which is something when I started looking into it, I went, why? And you start to look at the availability, the technology, the, uh, the socialized medicine, 
um, they have more access, they have more patients that they're able to treat because it's less fighting insurance companies and more, let's, let's take care of it. So the uh, complete concussion is, is putting out more information on a daily basis than any one person can consume. But I tell you what, I try, uh, right. I, I try. Um, so I got to give, you know, I, I've, I've talked with them a couple times, um, trying to enroll in one of their, they've got a full comprehensive 39 and a half hour credit, you know, continuing education hour course wow. that we're looking at right now, working full-time jobs, trying to find out where I can fit 39 and a half hours in. Yep. Um, so we're, we're looking you know, the more information I can take out of them, the better. Awesome. Yeah, the questions I had now seem so obscure just because you, you're <laughs> we're getting into this. Um, I'm long. I'm long-winded. So no, you're good. No, you ever get to perfect. a point where you're like, "Hey, man, just shut up." No, just you're answering questions before I can even answer them. It's it's <laughs> good stuff. Um, I guess kind of going back to the rehabilitation side, we kind of you know just briefly kind of mentioned it, and that's something that you know people have talked about, like the Buffalo treadmill protocol is yep. a thing now you know for kind of complex ones i know just recently in the area for us um you know it used to be you gotta wait till symptoms are zero or whatever it is before we start activity that's becoming a little bit more relaxed as everybody's kind of expanding with this correct so without me getting too long winded maybe that's a, the question is you know some of those things like you gotta wait for zero symptoms or Yep. No, no activity. Like what in your learnings so far through all these things and what you guys are implementing, have you seen kind of changing in those general conceptions that we need to kind of move forward with? So basically with, with concussions and concussion therapy, everything has changed over the last 18 months. You know, okay. it went from let's put you in a dark room for two weeks and when you're not better, you know, we'll do it another two weeks. And when you're not better, we'll do it another two weeks. Yeah, hopefully that was longer than 18 months that that changed. Hopefully. Yeah, right, right. But now that research is getting good enough and they're starting to look at, you know, our understanding of the brain is evolving. You know, they, they say we know about 2% now of what the brain actually does up right. from 1%, which is yeah. significant. Um, the, the research is not telling us that if you're waiting those two weeks, you're actually prolonging recovery. You're allowing symptoms to get worse for no reason. So, for, you know, most, most of the kids you would see, or most of our patients, you would see some form of improvement over two weeks, but not doing anything. But you run a significant increased risk of prolonging recovery, um, making patients experience more and more symptoms because they don't approach the concussion as a whole. So there, there are four major tiers of concussions that people don't realize. Number one is the cognitive side of things, right? So it's the things that everybody talks about. We get headaches, we have lightheadedness, we get, um, we get some light sensitivity, some sound sensitivity. We have problems concentrating, problems remembering things. But there are three other major tiers that are ignored. Um, the uh, cervicogenic is one of the side of things, you know, the, the force behind a concussion, it only takes half of that to develop a whiplash injury. So a lot of times the dizziness and the headaches that patients are experiencing are actually coming from the, the cervical spine. So the cervical neck musculature, the, uh, the scalenes, your, your 
suboccipital muscles that are, that are tight and aggravated. And that's causing a lot of problems that is kind of ignored for that two week go wait approach. Because, you know, you and I both know with postural muscles, unless you're actually doing something to them, they're constantly in that state of aggravation working. Right. So, what you, okay, we're going to go stretch your neck over the next two weeks and let's see if it works. A lot of times it doesn't. And the patients will develop chronic neck pain and they, they won't associate it with the whiplash injury that we sustained. Because when we talk to our patients about whiplash, they immediately think car accident, right? right? They don't think about, okay, I got hit in the head with a volleyball and I slammed my head back and then I have a rebound injury coming forward. They don't think about that. They think, okay, I got hit in the head, my head hurts. Yeah, the back of my head hurts too, but I don't really think about that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, other, the other one that we approach significantly is the vestibular side of things. So the vestibular ocular side of concussion impairments, your dizziness, your, your vision, vision problems, your diplopia, your blurred vision, things along those lines. Uh, and, and the fourth tier that's really ignored in the past that's really starting to come up is the psychosocial side of things. Right. So the, the removing some, you know, removing an athlete from the team for two weeks, what does that do mentally to a kid? What does that do mentally to somebody who only associates as an athlete? You take their sport away from them. You take school away from them. You take the interaction with their kid, with their friends. Uh, I've seen a couple, a couple patients in through here, you know, the, uh, the initial physician recommended having somebody watch her kids for two weeks. So she could relax and recover. Like that's that's not how it, how it's going to work. Right. Um, so you you look at trying to integrate people back into their daily basis, back into a normal routine, as quickly but as safely as possible. So with all of our vestibular therapy, we're trying to integrate people back into their activities of daily living as soon as possible. Whether that's you know just going to school going to the grocery store to pick up milk, uh, watching my kids, babysitting my kids, getting to enjoy my, you know, my seven month old grow up um, to, okay, what can we do to start to progress back into um, some cardio activities, right? So we try to get early intervention. Um, the earlier the intervention you get into concussion recovery, the better you have or the better chances you have of actually recovering. So the, the earlier you can intervene in somebody's recovery side of things, the less likely they develop post-concussion syndrome, the less likely they're dealing with significant concussion impairments down the road. Um, one of our first vestibular therapy patients that we saw was a 16-year-old kid. He flipped over his handlebars at 13 years old. Knocked unconscious for about 30 minutes. They didn't think anything of it. Dad took him home. Um, ended up going to the emergency room the next night when mom got home. Um, then he's been dealing with concussion symptoms for three years. But nobody, nobody looked at, okay, what's going on? Right. To them, he's a 13-year-old kid that says his head hurts every now and again. Or he gets dizzy. And then at 16 years old, he's got everything from, you know, he's suffering from depression and anxiety. Uh, he's got long-term uh, chronic headaches that everybody's just kind of, you know, looking away from like, all right, you know, are, is he telling the truth or not? Which is another big thing with kids. You never, you know, you, every now and again, you'll get somebody who doesn't pay attention. Right. And then he's dealing with 
now that high school is starting to ramp up and his cognitive demand is higher, that he feels like he's unable to perform in the classroom. So now he starts to self-medicate. He starts to look at marijuana usage. He starts to look at, you know, medications to where I don't want to feel this way anymore. What can I do? We saw him for 10 visits over the course of about two and a half months. Um, and asymptomatic when he left. He said he, the first time he's been thinking clearly, uh, he feels like he's a kid again. He feels like he can go to school and interact with people. Um, his big one is he wasn't angry anymore. Um, he, now, how much of that do you attribute to the kid's 16 years old? You know, the hormone imbalance that's in there already is going to be an issue, yeah. right? But for him to come out and say, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel like I hate everybody anymore is, is huge. And I'm not going to say we, we didn't do anything groundbreaking, right? We didn't do anything that, oh, you got to come to us to do this. And we're the only people in the country to do that. We didn't do anything groundbreaking. We took the vestibular impairments that we found and we treated them. And through some hard work for him, uh, some really some dedication for him and his mom to be able to come in, you know, take time out of school to come in and, and schedule out in a, in, a, in a today's society, a busy world when, you know, it, it's hard to do anything, let alone commit to two and a half months of two to three times a week of seeing this kid. And it, it's been great for him. He, he feels like he's back to being 16 years old. So to me, you know, that one story is good enough. Like right. we, we figured it out, right? We figured out there's a need to do this. And now let's, let's keep finding, you know, those people. Would I rather look at somebody and do the acute concussion stuff? Absolutely. It's a lot easier. It's a, it's <laughs> the, the treatment that we do and the, and the therapies that we offer work better early. Uh-huh. You know, we've seen that they work, but I'd much rather get into a kid that, you know, isn't sitting around miserable for three years right. before we figure out what's going on. Absolutely. Wasn't a question that I had on there for you, but it, you guys delved into the nutrition side of it. Or we haven't done a lot yet. Um, yeah. We're currently running a really base like exploratory doing creatine and supplementation versus placebo. Um, and just looking at general, those are our own, that's our only change in what we do and just seeing if we get anything. So I didn't know if that was something you guys had. I know there's been a lot of Omega three yeah. um, DHA stuff. So not- there, yeah, there, there are a couple things that we do. Um, I'm going to be honest, nutrition's not my strong suit. I mean, uh, I've started drinking this energy drink because it's better than a Mountain Dew. Um, but I'm going to be honest, it's, it's not one of my, my strong suits. So we haven't done a whole lot into looking yeah. at nutrition. Um, we do recommend a couple different things for our patients. Uh, the omega-3s, um, we, we look at, okay, if you haven't done it, we have some cognitive issues to go through it. There's also a supplement out there called Dullivan. Um, It's a overall brain health, again, supplements are all non-FDA regulated. So, you know, what's in it, that's why we recommend the same company. Uh, they came out and gave a presentation to Doc. Doc uh, has used them for the last couple of years with his workers' comp patients. Okay. Uh, everybody that he's he's prescribed them to, or everybody that he's recommended them to has said they're great. They okay. work well. They, you know, they, they notice a significant energy increase, if anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, with concussions, that's, you know, that's a big thing. If you can get the, the energy to go through things. Um, and we also recommend a, you know, uh, just a basic B12 supplement. Um, 
I know you guys are in Wisconsin. We deal with the same thing down here. There's no sunshine from, you know, October to we're, if we're lucky, May. Right. So we, we recommend light therapy to patients, um, okay. going out and getting an artificial UV light, trying to get an hour in right when they get up try to start that, um, the melatonin release cycle that goes through 12 to 13 hours post um, light therapy, trying to fight the everyday seasonal affective disorder. Yep. Um, I've never done it before. I had never been a big fan of it. So when doc said, Hey, this is what we tell people. I was like, all right, I'll try it. And uh, I'm okay. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm uh, I'm on board. So it, I think I feel like I'm sleeping better now. I have a seven month old, so I don't sleep anyway. Um, right. Yeah, she still hasn't figured out that whole sleeping through the night yeah. thing. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so we're we're getting better. We're getting better, but uh, um, so I, to me, I feel like it's it's been better. Okay. Uh, it's it's something that I would like to look into. So if whatever you guys find, if you want to shoot me your uh, your guys' we'll your findings, we'll, I, I am all for from finishing it. We're looking at a sample size of thirty, and we're probably about half. So. Okay. Perfect. I mean, if, if whenever, if whatever information you guys are, are putting out, like I said, I'm a sucker for information. Perfect. Whether I use it or uh, for the clinic or not, or personal gain, or, you know, I've still, I've still got athletes from the professional sports world that I worked with for years that I'm close with. I've got these high school kids that are just found out today I'm leaving. So they're a little upset right now at me, but uh, parents reach out and, you know, everybody talks to me and, and, any, any information I can send on, we've got a couple, uh, we're at a school that's, that's big enough that we've got a couple big division one athletes that are floating around that have, I mean, any competitive advantage I can get going into my sport in college. For sure. Do you see the need for a clinic like yours kind of everywhere, or do you think there's ways you know, we're still in the process and you being in the secondary school. Um, we just put out uh, an episode with Mike Hopper, who's in the secondary school. And oh, yeah. about the amount, oh, yeah. you know, of ATs in secondary school is something right. that I'm very passionate about it. Seeing that advanced, you know, or is it something that this clinic is obviously awesome. And I don't want I don't mean luxury in like a fancy elitist kind of way, but you know, are there things that you are seeing or that you guys have plans to help help secondary schools implement to help, you know, further along because that's such a huge area of focus? So we're, we're in an area where we're lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, with our two big hospital systems, every high school in the Fort Wayne and surrounding counties has a full-time athletic trainer. Okay. Um, at our school here, um, we've got 2,500 students. We have two and a half. I say a half because I'm in and out, but we have two and a half full-time athletic trainers. Um, we have on our hospital staff, we have 34 athletic trainers split over. I think we're at 22 schools now. Okay. So we have a large, yeah, awesome. large athletic training base. The, the best part about our clinic is what we do with the initial concussion patients that don't necessarily qualify for the vestibular therapy is I'm in communication with their athletic trainer. We come up with a treatment plan. I send it back to their athletic trainer, say, hey, these are the impairments that we found. This is a general skeleton of, hey, I want you to do this exercise, this exercise, and this exercise. 
uh, your sets and reps and duration, whatever you want to do, we'll leave that up to you. You're the clinician. You see them every day. I can give you numbers, but at the same time, I see them once. They go through and do the hands-on day-to-day treatment. Then once they're better, we come back in and do the final evaluation. That's where the evolving in, or the evolving partnership with the athletic trainer really fits in. Okay. Um, one of the big perks of our clinic is I'm the person that does the evaluation, right? So I go through and I spend an hour of the hour and 15 minute initial appointment with these patients. The other 15 minutes doc comes in and does his evaluation and make sure he and I are on the same page. Mm-hmm. So as an athletic trainer, I understand my skill set as somebody who's gone out and looked at vestibular therapy and gone out and gotten those extra continuing educations and, and mm-hmm. things along those lines. I also understand the basic knowledge of an athletic trainer that came out 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I also understand the, uh, the athletic trainers that came out last year. So one of the big things that I like to tell people and, and when I talk to patients is I speak doctor really good and I speak athletic trainer really well and I speak athlete really well. And one of my biggest strong suits is I'm really good at translating what all of that actually means. So we once a month meet as a full athletic training staff with our hospital system. And I'm constantly going through saying, hey guys, if anything that I'm sending you, these are the exercises that I'm wanting you to do. I've got a quick video on, hey, these are what they are. You can look at them, you can see them. If you have questions, if you're uncomfortable doing something, tell me because I'll do it in clinic. So instead of sending a kid back that is a, you know, a significant concussion, has significant impairments, needs a one-on-one treatment, instead of sending them back to you to say, hey, let's handle this, you know, we can recommend the vestibular therapy side of things to a certain point until they're comfortable enough to send back to the high school student. Or the same thing here. Hey, the impairments that we see, you know, if you're comfortable doing them, by all means, we're busy, but you, you can take them. The big difference is it's free at the high school for the athletic trainer at this point. It's free for the athlete. Sure. It's not free when it's with us. Right. So whatever I can do to save the athlete money, um, to save time, you know, it's a time commitment to travel into town, travel down to where our clinic is, travel back out. We're trying to keep you in your day-to-day life. But if I'm pulling you out of school for an hour every day, you know, half hour round trip travel time, that's two hours every day. What's the, what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. So if we can keep the athletic trainer at the high school involved, the, that's to me is more beneficial than, Hey, I'll see you once, give you these home exercises and then we'll see you when you're symptom free. Because to me, that's what I'm trying to replace. Right. It's, it's the, the approach of do these exercises till you feel better and then come see me. Well, concussions evolve, right? So as we, as we impair or as we improve, the impairments aren't the same. So why would we go back and look at let's fix this impairment when it's no longer there or why we're doing this exercise when that impairment's not there. So that's where the, the athletic trainers in the high school setting, especially really come into play because yeah, we see collegiate athletes, professional athletes, uh, but between our middle schools and high schools, that's, that's our bread and butter. That's where our clientele is. Right. So whether they work for our hospital system or not, knowing athletic trainers, you know, I, have called and reached out to athletic trainers and said, Hey, if you guys are, you know, uncomfortable with what we're doing, I'll gladly come in and teach, you know, what the exercises, the basic stuff we're doing, 
whether that leads back to, hey, we get referrals or not, you know, we're looking more at getting the information out there. The clinic itself is going to populate and be just fine. I mean, we've seen a, almost 100 patients since September, so we're, we're doing fine. Right. We're growing faster than we expected to. Um, so if I can go out and teach and provide more information to the athletic trainers at the high schools, uh, the, the collegiate athlete, the collegiate athletic trainers, and then just see the, the complex cases or the post-concussion syndrome or the vestibular impairments, whether it's BPPV or uh, any different types of vertigo that we can see following a head injury. Um, to, to us, great. The more people we get on the treatment side of things, it's just like anything else. The more people we can collaborate together, the better the outcome is going to be. Well put. <laughs> uh, I've followed Mike from afar for a long time. So I've, <laughs> I've seen his work and, uh, uh, my opinion is with Mike, you know, everybody, there's nobody that does the, uh, the profession better than Mike. Um, Mike is the biggest advocate I've ever seen. He understands how to use social media to get his point across. Oh yeah. And in today's world, I, like I said, I've never met the guy, but he's, he's doing it right. Yeah. He keeps it interesting for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's there's yeah. one more thing I, I got to yeah. talk about before uh, that way if Doc hears this, he doesn't get upset with me. Um, we partner or he he's invested in a group. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of PRTMS. I have not. So PRTMS is a, a magnet therapy, right? So to try to keep everything nice and, and easy in terms of the science behind things, everybody's got a heartbeat. Yep. Okay. Everybody's heartbeat is unique to them. Same thing in our brains. Everybody's got a brain beat. So everybody's electrical signal that sends the impulses from the back of the brain to the front of the brain is unique to them. There's a company, there's a guy out of uh, San Diego that's created uh, the PRTMS treatment that basically looks at trying to stimulate the electrical signal inside the brain. For majority of it, it's been used for post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, depression and anxiety. Uh, he actually, he created the system for his autistic son, um, the, trying to stimulate the brain in certain areas. Now, I may, I, I'm not very old, but have you ever heard of the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, yeah, so electroshock therapy. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is essentially the, the great-grandson of electroshock therapy. So electroshock therapy, we're going to shock the outside of the skull and we're going to hope it does things. Right. And it didn't do much. Uh, then they created what was called the TMS, which is the same thing, only instead of shocking the outside of the skull, we shock just under the inside of the skull into the brain and it sends electrical waves through the brain trying to stimulate the brain. The p Painful again. The PRTMS system uses a high-powered magnet that it actually drives the electrical signal into different parts of the brain. So they put together an algorithm and they can actually stimulate in other parts of the brain. So it drives the impulse through the brain a couple centimeters deep into, or through the skull a couple centimeters deep into the brain to actually stimulate certain cortexes within the brain to pass that signal back and forth. Hmm. Um, it's, it's been around for a long time. Uh, it, it's trying to get FDA approval for 
concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Okay. Um, it's been FDA approved for depression and anxiety for a long time now. Because okay. if you look at an EEG of a depressed brain, it's the same or similar to the EEG of a concussion brain. Okay. It's slow. Everything's moving at a, at a slow pace and, and, you know, you're really trying to stimulate into a certain area of the brain to re-simulate those, those uh, motor neurons. So, it's, it's something that we've used a couple times with a couple of different patients that are just not getting better. There are a couple of years, you know, post-concussion or it's been with one of them, it was, it had been six months with our, with our most recent patient and he still couldn't stand with his feet closer than shoulder width apart. Okay. So we do an EEG on him. We find out that he has no motor neuron activity in the fine motor skills and the balance portions of his brain. So we stimulate that part of the brain and we look at, okay, great. You know, now that we got that, his, the rest of his vestibular systems improve. So that's one of those things. If you haven't, if you haven't heard of PRTM, TMS, or you're looking at the future of post-traumatic stress treatment and mm-hmm. um, concussions, depression, and anxiety, the non the non-medicine side of things. Right. I, I recommend go check it out. We're one of the, uh, I think we were, we were machine number 11 um, in the country. I think we're up to 15 or 16 now. Um, so it's, it's been cool. It's been really, really fascinating to see how that works with not even necessarily our concussion patients, but you know, autistic patients. Right. Uh, the guy that created it, used it for his son. He was a non, he was nonverbal when he started. They did, you know, half hour treatment every day for a couple years and handwriting's improved. He's getting ready to graduate high school. So right. uh, he, he's functioning, he's verbal. And, you know, one of the big things that he talks about is he called his mom, mommy for the first time. And it's, it's things along those lines that as athletic trainers, we don't necessarily we're not approved to that stuff, you know, right. the technology that's out there. Right. Uh, he brought that up and brought it into me. I went, okay, what, what, are, we, what are we doing? <laughs> and, and you start yeah. looking at the science and looking at actually how it works and seeing the success stories and getting talking to people that have actually gone through it is, is amazing. But I, 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 I have to cover that that way. Well, you know, if doc listens, perfect. He, uh, I did it. We're good. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. No, that will be good. Um, well, just jumping into the athletic training chat five that we always ask. Um, yep. Where do you see athletic training going in the next five to ten years? So as we progress and what I really want to see and what I really see happening is we start to get more and more autonomy as healthcare professionals, right? So the it's, it's been the struggle for as long as I can remember the trainer versus athletic trainer, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to push the correct terminology, trying to push that we're not strength and conditioning. We're not personal training. We're not fitness. We're allied healthcare professionals right. that are able to do everything. You know, right. we're a unique healthcare professional where we're the only healthcare professional that's there from initial injury all the way through return to play. Yep. So, the, the increased autonomy as we move forward. Yeah, we're going to get everybody regulated and get everybody on to licensure and certification. Hopefully California starts to, to figure it out and you know, yep. that's only going to help us moving forward. Um, but we're going to continue to evolve and we're going to end up in places as a profession that people may not think about. You know, 
I've only been certified for going on seven years now, starting my seventh year. Okay. When I was in college, the military setting was just something that opened up. They're like, hey, we may look at this. And now you start to think about it like, why, why wasn't that from the beginning? I mean, that's right up our alley. Right. You look at the industrial athletic trainer. Okay, same thing. That's, that's exactly what we do, ergonomics and, and, and soft tissue injury and soft tissue manual therapies. Like, that's, that's what we do. Um, so we're going to continue to evolve and move into all kinds of settings that you know, we may not even think about at this point. Right. Um, it, we're a growing profession, which is, is amazing to say. You know, not everybody can say that, that the job demand is high, and hopefully we can keep up the demand of, of new grads and new certifieds coming out. But, you know, it's a cliche, but the sky's the limit for athletic <laughs> training. It's, you, we, we got to figure out, you know, we, we got to figure some things out. You know, we got to figure out how to make it worthwhile for those that are requiring a master to come in financially. Yep. Um, part of the reason why I didn't continue to go on is financially. Yep. Um, so you got to make it, you got to make it worth their while to do it. And, and you got to make sure that we're getting compensated for the hours. Um, but I really think the sky's the limit for athletic training. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back as a younger athletic trainer? Uh, don't try to save the world right away. So, Good one. Coming, yeah. Like yeah, so every, as athletic trainers, that's, that's kind of what we want to do. You see it with every new grad that comes out, like, all right, I'm going to be the person that figures this out. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to always be there. Anytime somebody needs me, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Got to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> coming into it, I, I was hired to be the head athletic trainer for football coming out of college at a division three level. That's what I wanted to do. Great. Fantastic. Yep. Get it. Um, I had one other athletic trainer on my staff at that point. Perfect. We're going to figure it out. You know, we're in the building at 4.30, meeting at 5, treatments at 6. We're there all day. That way, if anybody needs to come out of class, we'll figure it out. And then they're like, hey, you want to work lacrosse? Sure, let's do it. Let's work lacrosse. It's a full contact sport. It's just like football. Let's do it. By the way, it's 100% travel. Okay, now you're traveling all year, you know. You got you got to take care of yourself. That that first year taught me so much. I, I tell people when they ask me about my experience at the Division three level is it's amazing. I mean, it's you got you've got talent, you've got athletes, you've got big time players, and you've got the kids that are playing for the love of the game. Yep. Now you you got to figure out how to get them all on the same page. And. It was trial by fire. You know, I, I uh, inherited a program that had just won a conference championship, undefeated going into the Division three playoffs. Coach came in and put a name on my board, said he's the only one that can't get hurt. Uh, you know, first week broke a forearm. You know, we moved him away from quarterback. Second week tore the UCL. And, oh, we, we left him at, at quarterback. Second week tore the UCL in his throwing hand. We moved him out of quarterback and put him as a receiver. Uh, left from a brother's wedding for a week and he broke his leg. So, you know, uh, trial by fire, trying to figure everything out right away. Yep. You're going to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to mess up. But the, the, the thing you got to be able to do is accept that you're going to make a mistake. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. It's going to happen. Just know that understanding how to learn from your mistake is far more important than not making a mistake. If you never make a mistake, you're not doing it right. For sure. No, you're like not that. growing. You're not putting yourself in the right situation. 
What has been the most influential resource you found in your career? Uh, people. The, so social media has been great because it allows us to interact with people we never would before, right? Yep. Never met you. I don't plan on going to Wisconsin um, anytime don't soon. A lot of time in I've never been to, I've never been to, never been to your campus. So um, it allows us to interact with people that we, we normally wouldn't. The, all the information we touched on earlier that's coming out on concussions for me personally, that's, that's another uh, person that I can reach out to. Um, the, the mentorships and the, the personal communication, the personal relationships with people um, is just amazing. Hold on. My wife's, uh, my wife's texting me. You're all good. Um, so to me, it's, it's the personal relationships and the, uh, the, the interactions with people that's invaluable. If you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, whatever you want to pick in the field of athletic training, what would it be? That one's tough um, because there, there are a lot of things that as we move forward, the things that need to die about athletic training, right? The, oh, we just tape ankles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything, you know, things moving forward that if we could change it would be, would be great. So to pick one thing, if I had to pick one thing, it would be the mindset that we can't do something right coming out you know the being in college at the big 10 level i wanted to go to the high schools for my rotations for everything why because i had at the high school is that i had 2400 guinea pigs right mm -hmm. my my preceptors are hey these are high school kids get your hands on them learn that's how you're going to learn you know being Indiana basketball, what it is, that was my other option as a senior. I wouldn't have done anything because the certified athletic trainer, I mean, Tim Garls, the, one, of the, uh, one of the pillars of athletic training, been at IU for 45 years, was with yeah. Michael Jordan, would have been a fantastic mentor to learn from, but there wouldn't have been any hands-on. Right. So when, when you get these athletic trainers that come out and say, well, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. The only way you're going to do it or learn how to do it is to do it. Yep. You know, the best advice I ever got from a uh, professor or a mentor was just don't kill anybody. <laughs> Everything else you can kind of go through and rationalize, right? But it's really hard to defend your actions if you kill someone. Yes. So that was, that was the last advice I got going into the BOC is, hey, just don't kill anybody. It was the last advice I got as I was uh, going through my exit interviews for my, uh, from my graduation. Uh, and to me, every time I think about that, you know, going through and, and, and treating somebody that I'm like, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, you've got an impairment that's not common. Um, just don't kill anybody. Yep. So the mindset that we can't do anything frustrates me. Um, and it's not necessarily just an athletic training. That's in life. Uh, For sure. I, I don't like I can't. So I like that. Um, last one. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? It means being able to influence a wide variety of people on a daily basis. So um, we've got, you know, as we're in a unique situation, right? Most of our athletic trainers were all failed athletes at some point or another. 
We were an athlete that we <laughs> thought we were going to go. I mean, I thought I was going to go to the NBA. And then when I stopped growing at 5'8", we realized, hey, you know, i got to figure something else out. Yep. Uh, and then when they're like, hey, you're not good enough to play at the, the college level that you want, I went, okay, you're right. i got to figure something out. So when somebody told me I could be an athletic trainer, I went, what is that? You know, to me, my high school athletic trainer was a guy that was a college athlete that got hurt. And they threw him a book and said, to keep your scholarship, you've got to take care of the team. So to me, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to college. You know, I wanted to be a trauma surgeon to sew everybody's arms back on and, and all that fun stuff. And, you know, sitting there trying to figure out, you know, I want to be around sports. I want to be around medicine. What can I do? And one of my friends is sitting there. She's like, well, you should, you should do sports medicine and athletic training. I was like, you know what? That sounds great. So to me, it's the ability to not necessarily influence the medical side of things, mm -hmm. right? We, we interact with high school kids, one of the most impressionable age kids every day. And the, the things we like to talk about in our athletic training room at the high school here is, is get your college paid for, whether that's academically, athletically, uh, military service. You know, we, I've had multiple kids come back saying, you know what, that was probably the best advice I got. So to be able to influence people, you know, yeah, we, we, we help people get back onto the floor. We help people recover from concussions. We have somebody who's miserable for three years that's no longer, you know, no longer hates the world in his words. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's huge to be able to influence people on a daily basis like that. Well, just in closing, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best ways? The best ways we uh, we're getting ready. We just secured. You were actually the first person I interacted with on the uh, the OPS concussion Twitter handle. So we uh, we're, we're hoping to get that up and running right now. So if people want to follow us on Twitter at OPS concussion, we're the same thing on Instagram OPS concussion. Hopefully we'll start rolling out more and more information as we uh, as we kind of compile things. Right now I'm working with uh, our company's social media director and, and media marketing to put together some stuff that we start to roll out. So it's not a, Hey, we'll roll this out on Monday. And then maybe next week we'll roll something out. And, sure. you know, we want to put together something that we have a, a good amount of information coming out. And then uh, same thing with, uh, with our Facebook page, we've got OPS concussion uh, right now with the concussion clinic on the social media side of things. Uh, I'm, I'm a staff of one. So, if you want to talk to me, that's the easiest way to personally get in touch with me. And uh, Perfect. I answer pretty much everything at this point. So, Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glad we got